Welcome to the Puck Pond Podcast. My name is Ahmed Gahari, and I have my good friend Mike here with me. We're going to be talking about fantasy hockey and go through the different divisions and each individual team and uh, let you know about the different players you need to know about. So we're going to talk about players who are in the elite suite. Another category is the dependable Joes. Um, and then we're going to point out those risky plays that you should avoid in your fantasy pools. And then the sleeper seekers, the ones that uh, you should maybe grab later in your drafts. And then finally, uh, the rookies who are ready to break the ice. People kind of take them lightly sometimes, but they can make a big impact on the season as well. So I hope you'll enjoy our walk through the National Hockey League. So today's pod, we're going to be talking about the Atlantic Division. A very interesting division, uh, Mike. Yeah, definitely. It's really a division of haves and have-nots. Uh, you have Tampa Bay, Boston, and Toronto all finished with over 105 points last year. Um, Buffalo, Ottawa, Montreal, and Detroit, on the other hand, were four of the worst teams in hockey, mm-hmm. um, all finishing under 75 points. And mm-hmm. then there's Florida kind of right in the middle, kind of a good young team up and coming mm-hmm. uh, with 96 points. So it's really a division of four good teams and then four that are just not so good at all. Mm-hmm. And then not so good ones doesn't seem like they're taking any to say the step forward. So it should continue that way. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo's got a few young prospects coming in, but it doesn't look like they're going to be able to challenge the top four yet. So mm-hmm. it should be a pretty, uh, pretty interesting division. Yeah, and Florida is interesting. I think they can maybe take a leap into that upper echelon, depending how some of their new acquisitions do. So uh, we'll get into that. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Okay, uh, we're going to start off, and we're going to go in alphabetical order, um, thanks to our good friend Bob McKenzie, or hopefully our good friend one day. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about Boston Bruins. Uh, they have an interesting team. Yeah, so Boston's coming off a 50-win season uh, with 112 points, and they return most of their same players intact. Not really any big additions for the Bruins this year, but... Their top six forwards, uh, they have the big line, of course, with Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, and David Pasternak. And a pretty solid second line as well, Jake Dubrax, David Krejci, and David Backus. And then an interesting third line with some young players with Ryan Donato, Jacob Carlson, and Danton Heinen. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on the forward group for the Bruins this year? Who do you like and who you put in that elite range, dependable? What are your thoughts on them? Yeah, it seems like they have a good blend of uh, kind of older vets who are producing and then the younger players that they've been able to bring in. Um, I think, you know, with the elite suite on this team, we're going to start with Brad Marchand. You know, I think when he was drafted, nobody really saw this coming. But year after year, it just seems like he keeps raising his game and going to a new level. 34 goals, 51 assists last year. He gets you some points on the power play. He's a shorthanded a specialist for leagues that, you know, keep track of that. Um, he doesn't get like, you know, elite shot levels, but um, Marchand is just kind of ever since he played on that team Canada at the world cup, I think playing with the best players in the world, he realized, Hey, I'm one of them too. So I think um, the elite suite definitely starts with Marchand as much as, uh, you know, people can dislike him. Um, and then from there, I think, Pasternak is the next guy I'm looking at as being in the elite suite. And I think, um, you know, he had like 80 points last year, which isn't easy to do. 
and um, he's a pure goal scorer, and he's another guy who just keeps getting better. His fitness from the time he was drafted to now is just leaps and bounds ahead, and um, I definitely could see in the future as the old guard starts to wind down, Pasternak is going to be the leader for the Bruins for years to come, and they got him on a great deal as well. So, you know, 35 goals, 45 assists last year, you know, 13 power play goals, you know, sends the biscuit in, into the basket on a regular basis. I could see him getting into the 40-goal range. Do you agree with that, Mike, on Pasternak? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Pasternak. Um, really gives you a little bit of everything. Um, Brad Marchand as well, you know, in leagues with the count hits, penalty minutes, he's just a solid all-around contributor um, with huge upside, you know, like gets tons of points, lots of goals, just a great player. And I think the key is like the positional need as well. As we talk in fantasy sports all the time, you have to look at the depth of the position. And um, I don't think there's any deeper position in all of fantasy sports than center ice. So when you have an elite player like Marshawn at left wing, that's that adds that extra value. Pasternak as a right winger adds that extra value. So kind of getting to the guy in the middle, Patrice Bergeron, Nobody can deny that this guy is an elite hockey player when it comes to the game because of his two-way ability and ability to kind of take pucks away um, and win face-offs. So if you're in a league with those categories, Bergeron could be a good answer. But as I said, with the depth of the position and um, you know him kind of getting in the 60-point range, I think I categorize him as one of those dependable Joes. And in uh, with the depth of the position, I don't know if he's going to be one of the guys I'm going to be targeting necessarily in my drafts, but he might even just stick around to the end because um, he's a defendable Joe. So, yeah, do you think Bergeron, he might be an elite hockey player, but we're talking fantasy hockey here. So, Yeah, I mean, with Bergeron, there's always a little bit of a question with health. Like, he's already complaining of back issues. So, you know, I have to keep that in mind. And I think on draft day, I'm more likely to target the other two guys than if Bergeron kind of falls later. He's a nice addition if you get one of those guys. But definitely Marshawn and Pasternak are two guys I'd target ahead of Bergeron. Yeah, and but at the same time, we're pretty, in terms of him being a dependable Joe, we're pretty confident he's going to be that center. There's not really anybody breathing down his neck. So he's going to have that spot. So you can count on him for, you know, 60 points, uh, great in the draw. So I think there's a little bit more intrigue into the second line, as you were saying. And... Um, one guy that, you know, I'm not totally sold on just yet is uh, Jake DeBrusque. So, you know, he plays a good game. Um, last year, he had 16 goals, 27 assists, really good numbers for a rookie. Um, but he might be at risk of a sophomore slump here. Um, what do you think? you think he's going to take a different direction? Yeah, that's definitely something that uh, needs to be considered. He's not really someone I'm going to be targeting on draft day. Um so you say he's a risky play? Yeah, I think he's a little bit risky this year. He could definitely take a step, but you know he's kind of just in that risky area for me. And he had like uh, seventy hits last year, so you'd think you know as a kind of gr- not a grinder, but kind of hardened around the boards, he'd have a little bit more hits in that department, um, but not so much. And he doesn't get that much power play time, so I think he's a risky play. David Krejci, um, he's the other guy who's going to be manning the middle in the, in Boston for a while. Um, he's kind of getting up there. I think he's a bit of a risky play as well. He has that big-name value. People who you know don't play fantasy all the time might just think back to the playoff performances and think he's an upper echelon player. But 
I don't think that he's going to be on uh, any of my rosters. He doesn't bring, you know, the hits or, you know, not too much on the power play, just a little bit. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on Krejci? Yeah, the name value is definitely going to get him drafted probably a little earlier than he should be. Um, I'm definitely more interested in some other younger guys on the third line, like Ryan Donato and Danton Heinen. Yeah. Uh, they can get, you know, much later in the draft and that have more of an upside than Krejci does at this point in his career. Yeah. So let's talk about those guys. Uh, so Ryan Donato, he, I think, falls into the rookies ready to break the ice. I don't think there's any question that he's going to be on Boston because he came in last year and had a little cup of coffee at the end of last season. I'm having a cup of coffee right now too, so cheers to him. But um, he's he's kind of a bit underrated. He ripped it up in college. He came in and uh, I think it was a nine points he put up, um, which is nothing to scoff at for somebody kind of joining the team late in the season. So I think he's going to be a rookie who's ready to break the ice. I don't know if um, you know he's anything but a deep leaguer type guy. Um, but he was pretty close to point a game. I think it was nine points in 12 games. So if you project that over a full season, then he should for sure would be fantasy worthy. But um, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah, like he came in last year, um, you know, did very well at five on five as well. Lots of primary points there um, behind only Bergeron and Pasternak on the Bruins for primary points for 60 minutes. So definitely, definitely an interesting guy for this year to keep an eye on. But we're concerned about the sample size, right? These analytics dweebs are always telling us about sample size. So, uh, but the sample size from his college days were really good. And on the international stage, um, he's a hockey player. At the end of the day, he's a hockey player. He's going to play. Um, and he might have some sneaky offensive upside. Um, and then kind of coming back to the second line, we'll get back to the third line here. David Backus uh, is kind of slotted in the right side. And I think in the past, you know, he's a has a right-wing eligibility. He's a guy who you can kind of look to for hits. He had 137 hits last year and generally penalty minutes. But I think he's a far cry from his glory days um, when he was back in St. Louis. So I think he's a bit of a risky play here. In the past, I would have labeled him a dependable Joe. But I think he's a risky play at this stage of his career. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the health concerns with Bacchus, he never seems to play a full year anymore. So that kind of drops him a little bit on the draft board. Uh, he's probably still pretty dependable when he's going to be in the lineup. But at this point, the question is, how often is that going to be? Yeah, dependable for 20 goals and 20 assists. And, you know, you're not winning your fantasy leagues with with that production. Yeah. And the, yeah, so coming back to the third line, I think Danton Heinen is an interesting one. What, what do you think about Danton Heinen? Yeah, like he slotted in last year on the top power play unit, so that's definitely a boost for him. If he continues to hold down that spot heading into this year, then he's definitely somebody to consider with a late round pick. You think so? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to defer disagree with you here, Mike, on this one. I had actually Heinen in one of my pools last year. Um, I picked him up and he was hot. Like he was like kind of close to point per game mid season. But I kinda could see that he's got a lot of skills. But the bounces were just all going his way. You know, he was everything he would touch would end up in a goal. So I think uh, he's definitely a fine player. He's a good player. But um, I think he might be a, a bit of a risky play um, for people who, you know, are kind of just looking at that narrow window of time because he fell off pretty hard as the season went along. Um, and maybe it was, you know, a rookie wall. But if 
he's hitting rookie walls. Maybe he's going to have a bit of a sophomore slump. So, yeah, I think we're going to have to disagree on Heinen there, especially if he's only slotting in on the third third line. And I think a guy like Donato could take his spot on the power play. So I don't know how secure he is in that power play spot. Um, but, yeah, maybe. Uh, and the other one was Jacob Forsbacka Carlson. So great name. JFK, if you haven't heard the nickname. Um, yeah, I think he's a fine player, but I don't think the fantasy relevance is going to be there. I think maybe somebody to keep your eyes peeled on in case Bergeron or Krejci go down and then all of a sudden he finds himself in a top six spot. Um, yeah, what do you think about uh, JFK? Yeah, he's just someone to keep an eye on at this point. Um, maybe in deep release you can take a shot at him, but if Bergeron does go down and he finds himself between Marchand and Pasternak, then he's definitely going to get a pickup. But at this point, just someone to keep an eye on. Yeah. And I think a couple other guys I uh, from their forward group that I keep an eye on is um, the first one is a- Andreas Bjork. At the last preseason, he did really well, earned a spot, and then kind of fizzled. But there's definitely some offensive ability there. Another guy to keep an eye on in the AHL. I don't know how many of you pulleys out there are tracking the AHL. But uh, a lot of the guys who kind of come up mid-season and do really well do it on the back of a strong AHL performance. So Seneshin, you know, infamously picked ahead of a lot of great players like Kyle Connor and Brock Besser, and you could just rattle them off. But he's a goal scorer, um, so he has that ability to put the puck in the net. He's, I don't know if he, he's one of these guys that gets goals, he doesn't get assists. So um, even if he does get a big role, um, he maybe can't do it all. But uh, somebody to keep your eyes peeled on. Um, so, yeah, maybe moving on to the defense. I think there's definitely some intriguing guys here. Um, we've got to talk about Big Z, I think, to start off. Zidane Chara. What, what are your thoughts on him? He's kind of getting up in age now. Um, but he's been a sort of do-it-all defenseman in fantasy hockey for many years. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be pretty solid probably in the hits and block shot departments. Um, still yeah. got the big shot, so he's probably going to get some goals. Um, he still plays big minutes. Yeah. But he's just, you know, the age is a bit of a concern at this point, even though he's still in great shape. And he led them in ice time last year. Um, but just looking at his stats last year, he had seven goals, 17 assists. And, yeah, he get you could always count on him in the penalty minute department as well. Sneaky ad for penalty minutes, triple digit penalty minutes in his prime. Um, but I don't think he's somebody you can kind of count on to give you that offensive performance. And he's not on the power play anymore. Back in his heyday, he was on the power play. He could get his shot off. So it is actually pretty impressive. He's getting seven goals, not on the power play as a defenseman. But, um, you know, role is such a big factor in fantasy hockey. So I think he's a risky play. Um, and but somebody you know maybe to keep an eye on if he kind of uh, gets hot or one of those power play guys goes down, and then the other kind of two names that are really intriguing are Charlie McAvoy and Tori Krug. Um, I'm a little bit biased in this, um, but yeah, who, who do you prefer out of those two if you had to choose one of them? Uh, I mean, Charlie McAvoy is one of my favorite young players in the game. Uh, really exciting player to watch, um, but. At this point, Tory Krug is the one that's getting a lot of the first power play time. Yeah. So he's going to be the guy that I'd probably target more so for fantasy this year. And then, I mean, Charlie McAvoy, if you're in dynasty leagues or keeper leagues, he's definitely a guy that already has high value in those leagues. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, 
McAvoy long-term has a bit more potential. Um, Krug this year might have more values, but have more value. But I'll say I, I'm not going to be really targeting Krug in my drafts. Like it obviously depends on value and what draft position you're going to have. But I'm going to kind of wait a bit and take a guy like McAvoy because he this guy is oozing with talent. Like I am, like I have a man crush on Charlie McAvoy, and I feel like every hockey pundit out there, anybody who watches hockey and watches Charlie McAvoy. Just raves about him. Maybe it's because we just love saying Charlie McAvoy. Just something about his name. Um, but he lays the hits. So he gets 133 hits last year. Krug, you know, had 79. But I think McAvoy has more to give in that department. He was probably just trying to play it safe. But McAvoy could throw those, you know, open ice, bone-crushing hits that you don't see as much these days. He can shoot, like, amazingly. I think... You know, he had 32 points as a rookie last year. Didn't get that much power play time on the on the first PP. I think if I was Boston, I actually think McAvoy is better than Krug on the power play. I would be putting him ahead of Krug, or at very least, put both of them on the power play. Why not? You know, I'd put McAvoy ahead of Heinen on the power play because he's got that shot. He's got the ability to pinch, pass. He could do it all. So... I think McAvoy is a huge sleeper, and I'm going to sit back and wait because he can kind of give you a little bit of everything, and the upside is there that he can really rise above. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking on McAvoy. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody else is kind of of note here. There's Brandon Carlo. He's a more of a defensive defenseman. Jake Zaboral, uh, maybe it's somebody to keep your eyes peeled for a rookie that's ready to break the ice, um, but he's more of the defensive defenseman type mold. So just to kind of wrap up Boston here, um, just talking about their goalies. So they have Tuka Rask, I guess a notable signing, probably their most notable addition was Yaroslav Halak as the backup goalie. Um, he's been the starter in, in the, on the island, but he kind of lost his job, so maybe he's better suited to the backup position. But remember, when he was a backup, he was stealing Carey Price's job, so... I don't know. Maybe it'll be interesting to see how he does in that role. Would, would you say Tuka Rask is the elite suite or is Halak breathing down his neck kind of knock him down a notch? And part of Rask is, you know, the wins. Will, will Boston get those wins to rack it up for him? Yeah, I mean, I think Tuka Rask is very dependable. I don't think I'd put him in that elite category, but I mean, for for the division he's in facing Detroit and Montreal and Ottawa and Buffalo, there should be a lot of easy wins there for this Boston team. Yeah. So you got to like Tuka Rask in that regard. You know, Yara Halak's a very good backup. So Rask might play a little bit fewer games than he has in the past, but he still should be a very dependable goalie for this year. Yeah, and his ratios are pretty good, right? It was 2.36 and 9.17 save percentage. 2.36 goals against 9.17 save percentage. Um, yeah, I think he's pretty good. His age is kind of getting up there. I think I'm going to put him in the dependable Joe category so you can count on him. Um, but I don't know if he's going to be putting up the 40 wins over five shutouts of Vezna type performance at this stage of his career. Um, but yeah, definitely dependable Joe. So yeah, that wraps up uh, the Boston Bruins. Okay. Uh, next up is the Buffalo Sabres. Um, yeah, Mike, what do you think about their uh, top six? Yeah, so I mean, the Sabres have a couple key additions this year with Jeff Skinner coming over in the trade, yeah. um, and Casey Middlestat, you know, 
being on the team for a full season after playing university hockey last year. So projected uh, top six is Skinner, Eichel, and Sam Reinhardt. And then Connor Sheary also came over from the Pittsburgh Penguins in a trade. Um, and then Casey Middlestat and Kyle Ocpozo. So definitely some talent there in the top six for Buffalo. Um, really looking forward to a full season of Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner together. Mm-hmm. Um, really think that duo could be very dynamic and have high hopes for both of them. I think they could both end up in the elite category this season. Oh, you think so? Skinner think in the elite suite? Skinner's a good player. Oh, Okay. But I think the thing with those two, um, as you say, you're looking forward to a full season uh, from Eichel. And you know what? Me too. I haven't seen Eichel uh, put up a full season. And Skinner is the same. The injury risk is, is, is real there. I mean, we haven't seen this much talent in the top six for the Sabres in a while. So that's a start. I think Eichel, um, so right now for this season, would you put him in the Elite Suite category? Yes, absolutely. I think Eichel gets there this season. You think so? So just kind of looking back at his stats, his uh, he put 56 and 81 in his rookie year, 57 and 61, 64 and 67. So he's near point a game. Um, you know, for fantasy plus minus, you know, whether I think it's kind of dumb to have it in fantasy, but it's it's quite common. So, but he's minus every year and it seems like it's just getting worse it was minus 25 last year doesn't really get the hits definitely the power play is going to contribute he got a lot of assists you know power play goals three last year you know he almost had he had double digits the year before so he could bounce back he gets a ton of shots sure he he's not very good in the faceoff circle if your pool you know keeps track of that um i think uh i don't know i don't know if i can put eichel in the elite suite yet i feel like He's been handed the elite suite, like on a platter, but he needs to prove it by staying healthy and being a leader as well. I mean, the, the Sabres have only gotten worse since he's, since he's joined the team. So I think he needs to be a leader, and I don't think he's going to be one of the guys I'm targeting just because the cost is going to be way up there in drafts and center ice position is quite deep. Um, and with Skinner, yeah, it'll be definitely very interesting to see how those two mesh. I had, I'm actually very proud to say I took Skinner the year after he was drafted. Um, it's one of my greatest fantasy hockey picks. And um, so, but I traded him in that keeper league a few years later because he just kept getting injured. You can't, couldn't count on him. I wouldn't even say he's a dependable Joe. I think you, you almost have to call him a risky play at this stage. But I guess we differ on that one. So you think elite sweet. So you're what, 40 goals for Skinner? This year? Uh, I think he can get 30-plus easy with Eichel. I mean, he's just a good – he's a goal scorer. And I don't think Carolina utilized him properly. Like, he wasn't getting consistent quality playing time at even strength with the top six or on the power play. So I think just a change of scenery for him and is just going to be a good thing. And hopefully he can find some chemistry with Eichel. And I think the sky's the limit for that line, especially once you add in Sam Reinhardt who's a pretty underrated player himself. Um, he's kind of more of the dependable guy. Um, but that line, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do this season. So Reinhardt, I think that is something we're going to have to keep our eyes peeled on in training camp. Who slots in on the right side? I think Reinhardt makes sense because he did really well with Eichel last year. And people might not know because he had an abysmal first half, 
but completely the opposite in the second half, nearly point a game. So, I mean, will the real Sam Reinhardt please stand up? You know, will he show up um, this year as the first half guy or the second half guy? So what do you think? Do you think he's more of the point of game type guy or is he a bit of a risky play? Uh, I don't think he's a risky play. He might not be quite a point of game player, but he should be pretty solid production over the year, um, especially playing with those two. Something to keep an eye on, whether it's him or Ocposo on that line and yeah. who slots in where on the power play coming out of training camp. Yeah. But he's definitely, definitely someone I like as well. I think he's a bit of a, a sleeper this year because – People are just going to look at his overall stats, 50 points, not that impressive. But it seems like he figured something out in the second half last year. So I think Reinhardt could be a sleeper, especially if he's on that top line. That said, the second line, um, you know, has some talent there as well. Jason Botterill has a pass with Connor Sheary in Pittsburgh. And Sheary's shown an ability to play well with elite players like Malkin and Crosby, especially. So Sheary... I think he's kind of middle of the road. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to categorize him. He's a you know, left winger. I think he could be a bit of a sleeper if he finds some chemistry. What do you think about I don't know. I'm a little bit torn on him. Uh, I think he's a bit of a risky play. It's you know, moving from playing with Crosby or Malkin. Now you're on to a Buffalo team where you're playing with a rookie center, albeit you know, Casey Millstad is very talented. It's definitely a step down from Crosby or Malkin as your center. And I think that's the thing. Sometimes we look and we say, wow, he's going to play with Middlesad. That's going to be a great spot for him. But when you compare it to, as you say, he was playing with Crosby, it's a huge step down. And when he was with Crosby last year, he had 30 points. So he's playing with like the best of the best in the world, and he still doesn't put up points. So I think you convinced me. Yeah, I think he's a risky play. So in terms of rookies, so I think that's going to be the story of the Sabres and Casey Middlestad, you know, I don't know if you remember when he was drafted, um, there was, he was much maligned because he stayed in high school. So he could play with his friends and try to win a state championship. Um, but it seems that that path has worked out just fine because he did really well in college. He was a standout at the world juniors. Um, he just kind of made something out of nothing, super creative player. Um, can he handle the rigors as a center in the NHL? That'll be a question. Um, and the other thing too, is this team is losing Ryan O'Reilly, who I'm sure took a lot of the great matchups. So that's going to put more pressure on Eichel and, you know, maybe middle side can kind of be behind Eichel, but he might get some bad matchups too. So what's your kind of over under for middle side this year? And you think he's going to win the Calder? You know, I'm not as high on middle stat for this year. I think there's some big questions about him. Like you say, coming out of high school, then college, he's never played a full season yeah. of hockey. So how's he How's he going to handle that? How will his body hold up? He could be a guy that gets off to a good start and then kind of hits a wall yeah. and fades off. So for just this season only, if you just draft him for this season, I think he's definitely somebody that might go a little higher than he should um, based on his downside for the year. I mean, obviously, Dynasty and Keeper Leagues, he's somebody – that's a, that's a great pick in those leagues where you have him for many years. But for this year, I think he could be a little bit of a disappointment for what people are projecting him for after the year he had last season and the debut he made for Buffalo. Yeah. And I think the thing with him, I think the comparable with him is Clayton Keller. He's a smaller American player with a lot of skill and 
Keller, I started really well last year and then kind of faded a bit, but then he kind of finished strong. And now people are predicting, you know, big things for him. So I think Middlestad, um, do you think he's kind of going to have a better season than Keller had last year or similar or worse? I don't think he'll have the same season. I think Keller scored 65 points last year. I don't see Middlestad getting to that number. Okay. Um, Keller got consistent power play one time. I don't think Middlestad will get that with Eichel there and Skinner and then Reinhardt, Akpozo, Dallin, mm-hmm. Bristolainen. He's probably going to be on power play unit too. So I don't think he'll match Keller's 65 points this year. I think more 40 to 50 is kind of the range you can look at for middle stats. So still solid production, yeah, but not, you know, not in that elite category for this year at all. Yeah, I think uh, like I can see why people, and I might be one of them that does reach a bit for him because you know, in hockey is such a deep fantasy sport, and there's so many different players out there that I think in drafts you want to get those guys with the upside. And I think maybe the safe bet is, you know, that he's going to get 40 points. But I definitely see the potential there for him to get more, you know, 60, 65 points. Um, And, yeah, you never know. He could end up on the power play. But you're right. There's a few guys ahead of him. Um, So, yeah, Kyle Oposo is an interesting one. And he might be a kind of a classic sleeper type guy. He had some great seasons on the island. And then when he came to Buffalo, um, you know, things haven't really panned out as they hoped. Um, You know, his last season in the island, he had 64 points in 79 games. Um, But so far in Buffalo, first season, 45 points in 65, 44 points in 76 last year. He hasn't gotten more than 20 goals. Um, I think this guy might be a bit overrated. His career high is 27 uh, goals. And he doesn't seem to play a full 82. Um, in fact, he's never played a full 82. And, um, yeah, I think he's a bit of a risk. But there is a bit of upside there in that, you know, he's a kind of a banger. He can get hits, power pl- uh, penalties. So, yeah, do you think he's a sleeper or a risky play this season, Okposo? Okposo uh, is pretty solid. I think it's something you want to keep your eyes peeled on and see what line he ends up on and what power play unit he's on. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll be drafted late in drafts. So he won't kill you for where you get him. Um, maybe like the last forward or two on your team. But I'm probably going to be shooting for more high upside kind of guys at that range of the draft. So he's probably not something I'm going to be looking at getting on my team at this point. Okay, so then some of the other guys I think um, are a bit nondescript. You know, Patrick Berglund, they got back in Sabotka and uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Um, Zemgis Gersensen. I don't think these guys are going to be draftable. I mean, will the population of Palmonville increase this year? You know, maybe a little bit, but I don't think he's somebody to target. There are some interesting young players on their forward core that I'm definitely going to keep an eye on. Um, one of them is Tage Thompson. He also came back in the Ryan O'Reilly deal. And he was part of St. Louis's bevy of young players that they have there. And I, I kind of took a flyer in one of my deep leagues last year, keeping an eye. And he's a pure goal scorer. And you know, if something happens to one of those right wings on the top two lines, I could see him slotting in and, you know, providing some production. So, yeah, what do you think about Tage Thompson? Is he something somebody you're keeping an eye on? Uh, he's somebody to keep an eye on, but I don't think he's really fantasy relevant in all but the deepest of the deepest leagues at this point, unless yeah. there's a couple injuries in front of him. Yeah, I think injury dependent for sure. Another guy that I don't think is going to be impactful this year, but somebody to keep an eye on, 
with that, um, you know, bloodlines and pedigree is Alex Nylander. You know, I kind of believed in him and had him in my pool, kept him for a couple of years, but it's just baffling his AHL numbers that he's been able to put up. You'd think that if he's going to follow in his brother Willie's footsteps, he would have taken a step last year. They ended up with like 27 points in 51 games in the AHL. And so that doesn't scream at you. But I'll be curious. Maybe there was an injury holding him back. Um, another top prospect, Rasmus Asplund, um, you know, drafted a couple of years ago. But again, I don't think he's really that fantasy relevant this year. So we've been taking the whole time. So I think we should be proud of ourselves. We haven't mentioned the name Rasmus Dahlin on defense. I think he's the odds-on favorite to be the Calder Trophy winner this year. Um, so I, I love I love him as a player. Um, he's going to be you know center ice must watch center ice. Um, but do you think he's going to have like a, a fantasy worthy season that you're going to be rostering him? Yeah, he should be pretty effective. Um, you know, obviously defense is it's a little bit uh, lower expectations for production, but he sounds like the real deal. Uh, he should be on a pretty good power play unit if he gets on the first unit with Eichel and Skinner. They should be able to rack up some points on the power play. So him and Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, I think, are the two defensemen on this team that are very, very interesting from a fantasy perspective. Who do you favor more out of those two? Um, probably Ristolainen for this season and then Dallin in the long run. In the long run. Absolutely. So what's your over-under for Darlene this year? Point total. I mean, I think if he can get around 40 points, I think that's going to be a great season for a rookie yeah. defenseman. Um, it's not often that these rookie defensemen come in and light it up. The last guy was Ekblad. Um, and, yeah, he did well his rookie year. He has kind of taken a step back since then. But – People talk about Darlene like he's a generational talent at his position. I think we're kind of narrowing the box a bit too much there. If he's a generational talent, he should just be a generational talent. But if they're saying he's like an Eichel or McDavid for defensemen, then, you know, maybe he could get a 40, 50-point type performance. But definitely the upside is there. Um, he's got the moves. He's got the skills. And I think he's going to get more hits than people realize. People that you would expect from a guy who's like 18 years old coming into the league because he's got a bit of a nasty game. Rista Linen, um, I've always kind of liked him, but he hasn't lived up to that potential. Um, but that said, he's a you know great pick. 206 hits last year. You wouldn't think that, um, but he racked it up there. 22 power play assists, um, only one power play goal. So, you know, I think there's definitely room for regression there. Um, so he kind of brings a little bit of everything. And I guess this is a caveat with pretty much any Buffalo Sabre, but the plus minus has a chance to not be very good. So keep that in mind if you're going to be taking this guy. He's going to hurt you in plus minus. And probably Darlene, although he is supposed to be good defensively, he might have a hit in plus minus. Because let's face it, like the rest of their deep defensive core leaves a lot to be desired. Like Marco Scandella, Zach Bogosian, Jake McCabe, Nathan Beaulieu, like, People kind of are pretty high on the Sabres, it seems, and Darlene is going to make an impact for sure, but their defense is just bad. And um, one guy I'm kind of looking at as a rookie who's ready to break the ice, um, had a decent yeah, AHL season, was Brendan Goulet. Um, I think he's got some speed. He's got some wheels to burn, and they might need him to kind of step in. I don't think he'll be fantasy-worthy, but maybe somebody to keep an eye on. Um, 
that he can kind of step in. He's got some some ability. Looking at their goalies, um, you know, we got Carter Hutton and Linus Allmark and Scott Edgewood in the depth chart. Hutton, you know, I was kind of talking some smack about him, and I don't think he's good. But, you know, I look at the numbers last year, 17 wins, 2.09 goals against, 931 save percentage. Pretty impressive. But I think coming back to the defense and the young forwards up front, um, I think he's going to see a lot of pucks. He's not going to get a lot of wins. And um, I'm not banking my fantasy hopes on Carter Hutton. I don't know. What do you think? He could definitely see a lot of high danger chances this season with this roster in front of him, uh, especially the defense. He had great numbers last year, like you said, in St. Louis. But it's hard to say, is he going to be one of those guys? Goalies a lot of times um, kind of hit their stride later on in their career. So he could be one of those guys that's ready to grab the number one spot now and run with it but he's definitely not stepping into an easy situation. Um, I do really like Linus Allmark. Uh, I think he is going to be a very good goalie in the future. So he's someone that if Hutton does struggle, then Allmark's definitely someone that can step in and run with the ball at that. And just, you know, he's the guy I'm like looking at as maybe a late round pick as my third goalie. Maybe in dynasty leagues kind of get him because with Buffalo on the rise, Whoever their young goalie is going to be is going to have value. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, so that kind of wraps up Buffalo. Uh, We'll go on to the next one. Okay, next up is the Detroit Red Wings. Um, Pretty slim pickings on this one, eh, Mike? Absolutely. Um, Not really a lot to like on the wings. you know, Vegas has them at under 75.5 points, minus 120, so not a lot expected from the Wings in Vegas either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, It's a rebuilding year, even though they have a big uh, bloated payroll and a lot of bad contracts on the books, which kind of hamstringing them a bit. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, if in a year or so, Steve Eiserman having just yesterday stepping down, um yesterday we're recording this on uh wednesday so on tuesday step down maybe if eiserman gets there then detroit can be a place we can look to as fantasy hockey players but i think right now like the only guy that you know maybe you could say is a dependable joe is dylan larkin uh you know at 16 goals so he doesn't really fill the net but his speed and his passing ability and his vision is kind of his key traits. And he had 47 points, that's assists, sorry, yes, last year, 47 assists, um, a bit on the power play. He uses his speed to get, you know, three shorthanded points last year, you know, 232 shots. So he does get a lot of shots on goal. So you'd think if his goal total kind of creeps up above 20, he maintains those assist marks. You know, maybe one day you can kind of envision him becoming that elite sweep, but I don't think he's anything more than a dependable Joe at this stage. And, you know, with the depth of the center position, maybe he's even just a sleeper. Yeah, I think Larkin and Mantha can both kind of go in that dependable range, but there's definitely not not a lot to love this year. Um, it's going to be a long year for the Red Wings, I think. Um, there are two additions on the second line with Thomas Vanek and Philip Zadina. Mm, Zadina. Zadina is going to be the one to look for for the future. Um Definitely somebody to be targeting in dynasty and keeper leagues. 
it'd be interesting to see what he brings to the table this season. So do you think he's making the wings? Like no matter what, this team has traditionally been, you know, uh, let them marinate as long as possible, keep them in junior, give them two or three years to be in the AHL, prove themselves that they're all-stars in the AHL, then come up. But it seems like um, the last few years, they've kind of just thrown that to the wind. They've brought guys up a bit quicker than you'd expect, like Tyler Bertuzzi, you know, if he falls on the right line, maybe for a week or two, he can kind of be a, you know, deep league addition. Um, but yeah, it's uh, Zadina. Like, so you think he's going to make the team? Yeah, I don't think there's much stopping him. Um, you know, Larkin made the team right out of college uh, after one year at Michigan. So I think Zadina is somebody that's got, you know, they don't have anybody stopping him really from making the team. So he should be able to crack the team, make the top six, and get some power to play time as well. But Larkin, as you say, he played a year in college. So this guy's coming fresh out of the draft. Um, I mean, we all saw it at the World Juniors, his ability to find the back of the net. He's a pure goal scorer. He just can sniff mesh, basically. Like, he can smell the mesh. Uh, that's how good he is to find the back of the net. And, um, you know, but I kind of a bit underwhelmed sometimes when I look at his overall point totals in the queue, which traditionally is a high offensive league. He had 44 goals, 38 assists for 82 points in 57 games, which is great. But if this guy is a top five, top three talent, some people were saying in the draft, you kind of hope he'd have over 100 points. And then if you compare him to a guy like Alexi Lafreniere, 16-year-old, he outscored him. And so, I mean, you know, that speaks, I think, more to how good Lafreniere is. But still, Zadina, I think he's a bit a bit of overhyped with him. Um, the speed and the pace of the game is maybe something he's going to have to catch up with. He's got the hockey IQ. But I don't know. It, it, on the right side in Detroit, they have Mantha and Gus Nyquist. So do you see him jumping ahead of those guys to be on the top six? I guess on the left side, you got... Uh, Vanek, Bertuzzi, Athanasiu. Um, so, yeah, you think Zadina's going to get a top six role? Yeah, I think he's capable of getting into the top six for sure. Okay, I think uh, I think Dynasty, I think he's got that potential. The power play, they could use him. But um, I don't know, this year, I, I think he's a bit of a risky play. I do think he could, you know, break the ice um, and make the team. Um, but we'll see. I, I, like, I don't think it would hurt him to go back to Q, the Q and you know put up one of those triple-digit type numbers. But all signs point to him making the team. Um, you know, Vanek, these other guys aren't really all that noteworthy. Um, talking about their defense, again, like it's a whole lot of blah. I think Mike Green um, is, you know, in the past, you would have thought in his heyday with Washington putting up 70 points, you would have thought he would have done that every year like a Brent Burns, but he he's fallen off pretty hard, um, but he's kind of all they got. But I don't think I'm going to be rostering him because it's not going to be a high-octane offense. It's plus-minus. It's probably going to be bad. Um, so, yeah, and then the, on defense, I guess a guy to keep your eye on, um, former Victoria Royal Joe Hicketts. Um, he's a bit smaller, but he's a power play type quarterback. Kind of reminds me a bit of like a Josh Morrissey type. Um, I don't know if he's going to be fantasy worthy this year, but you know, kind of keep your eyes peeled. Is there anybody else on the defense you can kind of see filling that hole that, like let's face it, it's been there since Nick Lidstrom's re- retired? 
No, their defense is just it's not very good from a fantasy perspective. It's not very good in a real life perspective. It's there's just not a lot there. Like Mike Green will probably have some good weeks this year where you know Detroit gets some power play goals. Um, but he's really gonna be the only guy that you want to roster from that defensive core. Yeah, and Cronwall, thirty six points last year. He does get some power play time. He used to be like a top defenseman pick. Um, but he just isn't anymore. And their goalies, you know, this isn't going to be a great team. Jimmy Howard and Jonathan Bernier, it seems like they're going to split the starts pretty evenly, you'd, you'd think. Um, so I don't think either of them are, you know, roster worthy. Just a couple other guys, keep your eyes peeled in training camp. Some young guys, uh, Evgeny Sveshnikov, brother, bigger brother of Andrei Sveshnikov, who went second overall. And then Michael Rasmussen, he's one of those kind of big guys who can kind of play, play the play in front of the net on the power play. He's a goal scorer. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Rasmussen, if he kind of gets a chance on the power play, could surprise. But I think we've talked probably five minutes too long about the Detroit Red Wings because there's not much there. So let's move on. Okay, next up is the Florida Panthers, a team on the rise. Um, yeah, Mike, it's a lot to talk about here in the forward core. Yeah, some interesting lines. Um, interesting top nine for Florida this year by the looks of things. Mm-hmm. Um, the top line last year for a lot of the year was Barkov, Dadanov, and Huberto. Huberto mm-hmm. dropped down to the second line and matched with Trocek for the last part of the year, but it looks like they're going to try Trocek with Mike Hoffman, the new acquisition, and Nick Bugstad. Mm-hmm. And then the third line, uh, looking like Frank Vitrano, Henrik Borgstrom, and possibly Owen Tippett. Oh, wow, yeah. Pretty interesting uh, top nine, highly skilled top nine. Yeah. Um, What are your thoughts on the top nine for Florida this year? Yeah, so I think kind of looking at the elite suite, I think, um, you know what? People might not think this, but for fantasy hockey, Vincent Trocek, is a stud in fantasy hockey and maybe even is ahead of Barkov. So Trocek last year, he's, I think he's one of the most underrated players in the entire NHL. Last year, 31 goals, 44 assists. He racked it up on the power play, 13 power play goals, 14 power play assists. He also kills a lot of penalties and gets shorthanded points, four shorthanded points. Although I'm looking now, Barkov had five shorthanded points too. So and then, but the thing with Trocek is he had 287 shots, 145 hits. He gets face-off draws. I think he's a guy that I'm going to be targeting, actually. He's one of my favorite kind of sleeper. I think from a fantasy perspective, he could be even the elite suite because he just does a little bit of everything. So I like Trocek a lot. Uh, Barkov as well. I think he's on the rise. Um, he had a great season last year. And he's only going to build upon it. He has tons of great guys to play with around him. I'd say he's a dependable Joe at this stage in fantasy. Um, so, yeah, I like Barkov. Um, Huberto, I'm a big fan of Huberto. I watched him play for the St. John Sea Dogs back in the day on their Memorial Cup run. And this guy's got tons of skill. Um, he has had some injury concerns. Doesn't, you know, throw the body much, but he's on the power play. And, you know, he's one of those left wingers you can slot in. One of the guys is interesting, you know, kind of very quietly, Evgeny Dadanov put up about, I think, 65 points last year. And, you know, you you don't hear anybody talking about him. 
So I think he's a dependable Joe coming from the KHL last year. Um, yeah, what do you what do you think about Dadunov for this season? Yeah, I really like him. Um, him and Barkov seemed to mesh really well last year. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what Dadunov can do with a full season under his belt. But he was just outstanding last year. Yeah. Um, you know, his primary points at per sixty minutes were just off the charts. Um, so there's definitely him and Barkov are two of my favorite players for fantasy. I've had Barkov in a couple leagues for the last few years, and he just produces uh, you know, every game uh, in a bunch of different categories for you. So those two guys, I'm a little bit higher on them than I am on Huberto. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see that second line, how Trocek, if he ends up with Hoffman, how those two mix together. Mm-hmm. They both love to shoot the puck, so that could be a lot of fantasy goodness on those lines, uh, mm-hmm. both the top two lines in Florida. And uh, yeah, Hoffman intrigues me. Um, you know, you could argue he has better players to play with um, than he did in Ottawa. But at the same time, you know, he did get that power play role. I don't know if there's going to be a PP1 role for Hoffman, although he's got that cannon of a shot from the sideboards. So I don't know. I kind of think Hoffman's a bit of a risky play. I want to kind of keep my eyes peeled to see how he does early on in tra- training camp, see where he's slotting in. Is he getting that power play time? Is Hoffman somebody you think is going to, you know, put up similar or better numbers than he had in Ottawa? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, for, for leagues where shots count, um, he's just, he shoots so much that he's going to just, he's got such a great floor for fantasy Yeah, that he's a worthwhile add to your roster. And arguably when you watch him play and you, you kind of see all this talent and you, kind of expect his numbers to be higher than what they are. Like last year, 22 goals, 34 assists. You kind of think with the shot the guy has, he should be getting 30 goals consistently. And you know, some people argue it's a deployment for the coaches in Ottawa. So maybe in Florida, they're going to unleash him, so to speak. Um, so we'll see how that plays off, plays out. Nick Bukestad, you know, he's somebody I was high on when he came into the league. You know, there's one year he led Florida in scoring, albeit, you know, it was like, something in the 40-point range, so not that impressive. I think he's kind of found himself in that range there where he's like 40 to 50. I remember kind of coming up, he was ahead of Trocek in the depth chart for Florida, but definitely Trocek has kind of taken over for him, and Bukestad, he's kind of being used more as a winger these days um, when he started off as a center. So Bukestad, he has a ridiculous shot, former Mr. Hockey in Minnesota. Um so I see the ability, but maybe just the speed is something that he can't keep up with in today's NHL to get him to that, you know, top end level. Um, looking at their rookies, they have some interesting rookies coming in that can break the ice. You mentioned them, Henrik Borkstrom and Owen Tippett. I think Borkstrom coming from college, he has a, a bit better chance to make the team this year, but he is definitely a sleeper you should keep an eye on. Um, he's very highly regarded by the different you know, prospect ranking sites. Um, but I, I don't know. I think he's more somebody I'm going to keep my eye on um, because, again, the center ice position is pretty deep. Owen Tippett, you know, I thought if he could get into the top six as a right winger, somebody who ha- could score goals, he's got a ton of speed. But I'm kind of not sure if he's going to make the team. I kind of took a flyer on him last year hoping he'd make the team. Well, he did make the team, but he didn't really stick around and put up numbers. So it's definitely something I'm keeping an eye on. but. Yeah, I'm not totally sold. And even in Dynasty long-term, I mean, Dadanov's going to be there. Bukestad's going to be there. Like, will Tippett ever get that shot with this team to put up big numbers in the long run? 
Yeah, I think they're going to give him every opportunity. You know, first round pick. Um, you know, Bugstad hasn't really developed as they'd hoped, so he can definitely pass Bugstad. Um, you know, Dadnov's sort of. He's not young, even though he's only been around for a yeah. short time. He is close to 30. So it could be a few years, but Tippett should be a first-line winger uh, for Florida in a few years' time. But, yeah, so I think something around, like, the three-two, three-year mark. I think something that's a bit of a red flag for me is him not making the World Junior team. Um, and, I, you know, maybe I put too much stock on the World Juniors. But I think a draft plus-one type guy who's a lottery pick, you think that's a slam dunk for the World Juniors. So I'm just kind of wondering if his all-around game is there for him to earn his coach's trust to get the ice time that he needs to put up the numbers. Um, and just one more guy in the front front core is Frank Bertrano, who came from Boston. Another guy who kind of has got a great shot, great goal scorer in the AHL, but it just hasn't translated yet. Somebody to keep an eye on. I, I don't know if I'd pick him. Um, looking at their defense, they have some interesting names here. Aaron Ekblad, I think, has kind of underperformed or underwhelmed the last couple of years after his rookie season. Um, that said, there's not that many goal, uh, not many defensemen who can score goals like he can from the point. He had 16 goals from the point, which is very good. You know, I kind of expected him to be more of a hitter than he is, only 69 hits. So I don't think he's a top top end guy. Maybe a bit of a sleeper in fantasy leagues that if he kind of puts it together, um, he could really do some damage. What's your thought on Ekblad? I mean, he's got that pedigree. I feel like somebody's going to reach for him based on that pedigree. But I don't know if it's going to be me. Yeah, he's such a name, uh, you know, familiar name that he will probably get a little drafted a little bit higher than you'd think. Um, personally, I'd be more likely to target Keith Yandel yeah. given that he's projected to play on that number one power play with Barkov and Huberto. Mm-hmm. And Trocek, he could just rack up a lot of assists there if he can get a shot through from the point. Um, and just, you know, setting up the other guys like Hoffman and Trocek for one-timers. And he has he had 48 assists last year overall, 17 power play assists. So I think you're right. Like, he's kind of one of these guys that can anchor the assist category for you from the defense. So if you have a kind of assist leader in the forwards, and then Yandel can be your guy on the defense. One of my concerns is for Yandel, I mean, I, I think he's going to have the slot, but over the long term in terms of dynasty, I'm really big on Mike Matheson. I think he's going to be one of these underrated guys over the years. And he kind of reminds me, and I don't want it to be like hyperbole here, but he kind of reminds me of a Duncan Keith type character who kind of does it all, has got all the ability, but he's just focusing on his early days in his career to shore up his defensive side, which he's strong at. But he definitely wants to make sure he's responsible in that way. So but I think Matheson has that ability. One of these years, I don't know which of these years is, he could be one of these guys who first five years, he gets 20 points every year, 20, 30 points. And then all of a sudden pops like Keith did, gets 50, 60 points. Because I think the talent is definitely there. So I don't think he's going to jump ahead of Yandel this year. But in the long run, I think Ekblad and Matheson is Florida's top two. So... If you want Matheson, you, he's going to be cheap now for Dynasty. So it might be somebody to kind of stash for the long term. Yeah, you can take him, you know, draft him this year as your maybe, you know, fifth, sixth defenseman, seventh defenseman. And then he's worthwhile to have in that role for this year. And then you can see how much he grows and how his game develops. Um, 
you know, if you can keep him down the line for a few years, he could be very good. Yeah, double-digit goals last year. He had 10 goals, which is, is notable for a defenseman who's not getting much power play time. Um, and he has, like, some highlight reel goals, too, where he goes kind of end-to-end. So I'm a big fan of his. Um, looking at their goalies, you know, I've always kind of looked at Bobby Lou, Roberto Luongo, as being a great kind of addition late. People kind of think he's over the hill. He's doesn't have it. But behind this team, and it just he's consistency just comes to mind. Every year, year after year, he puts up big numbers. His save percentage last year, again, 929. You know, James Reimer's there. Um, James Reimer had more wins because of the injury risk. So, you know, Luongo injury risk is there. But, you know, if your league has IR, then is a late pick that can be a starter for you. I don't, I'm not too worried about Reimer kind of stealing starts. His save, his save percentage was 913 last year. Um, Luongo is just better. And I think Reimer, maybe in a keeper league long term, dynasty league long term, could be a sneaky addition once Luongo retires. But Luongo has that contract as well. So I think he's going to be around for a while. So, yeah, who do you kind of favor? Are you staying away from Luongo because of the Reimer breathing down his neck? or? No, not at all. I, you know, I had Luongo last year in one of my leagues, and he was just very, very good down the stretch. Um, he's kind of – the wins are going to be there on this Florida team. Um, all Luongo has to do is be solid. He doesn't have to steal games or, you know, hold the other team down to, you know, shut him out or keep him down to one goal. Florida's going to score. There's going to be some weeks where Luongo has tough matchups where, you know, in the division he's got Tampa, Boston, and Toronto – so, you know, I'd probably draft another goalie along with him. And maybe on his, you know, if he's got a tough week where he plays Tampa a couple times, you can move him to your bench at that point. But I think at this point, Luongo is going to be a very good number two goalie in your fantasy team. And I think great value, too, because, you know, his overall stats, only 18 wins. People might not realize because he was injured and people scared off of that. But you could end up having a starter on an up-and-coming team as well. So... I think that's most of the guys. I don't think for just one more guy, one more name kind of in the Florida pipeline I want to throw out there. I don't think he's going to make the year the, the team this year, but definitely Dynasty Leagues keep an eye on Alexi Heponiemi from the Swift Current Broncos in the WHL. No, again, this guy's not going to make the league this year, I don't think. He's 5'10, but he's only a buck 47 from Finland, so he's super small, but his numbers are eye-popping in the WHL. In 57 games, 28 goals, 90 assists for 118 points. So, again, it's going to be a couple of years, but Hepo Niemi is a highly skilled player. So keep an eye on him. Okay, next up is the Montreal Canadiens. Um, needless to say, this is a rebuilding type year for Montreal. So, you know... Don't expect them to necessarily be all that good. Their uh, plus minus is going to take a hit kind of team-wide. Um, but, yeah, definitely some guys to discuss here. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the top six there, Mike? Uh, I mean, the first line is projected to be Max Domi with Jonathan Duran and Brandon Gallagher. So more ideally, would be more of a second line. They don't really seem to have a first line type forward. Um, second line right now is Thomas Tatar, Philip Deneau, and Arturi Lekkonen. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lekkonen's a guy that, you know, you could see him break out. I think he's someone that that has the talent to do that. But 
I don't know. The top six is definitely not a strength at this point for Montreal. Yeah, it's um, it'll be interesting. I mean, Max Domi played some center in Arizona last year, so I'm not sure if there might be a chance he'll slot in as a center. But definitely with that, looking at that top line, like size is is an issue. That said, you know, this the NHL these days is about speed and skill. So, you know, maybe they can kind of fit in that mold. Max Domi, I think, did a bit better near the end of last year. He had a great rookie season. He's got tons of skill. I think he's one of these guys, most guys kind of cave under the pressure in Montreal. But, you know, obviously his dad being Ty Domi and growing up in Toronto, being under the spotlight, I could see him thriving uh, in Montreal. So I think Max Domi, um, you know, may be a bit of a sleeper, especially if he's got that with the wing eligibility. Um, and he can rack up the assists, you know, not much of a goal scorer, but, you know, he could help you in the assist department. Um, and then talking about Jonathan Drouin, I'm going to be biased here. I am a huge Jonathan Drouin fan. I think this guy is breakout potential written all over him. We all know he's got elite level talent. Um, in junior, he showed his ability. I don't know if you remember seeing the shift where he just took the entire team on as one man. And I've been waiting to see that in the NHL. Um, and I think last year was a bit of an adjustment period for him. Um, I think it's pretty natural for somebody, you know, Quebecer to kind of come home Montreal, have a bit of an adjustment period and the pressure. Um, but as the season went along near the end of the year, he started to put up some numbers. I think Drew Wendt can take off, and he's he's talking a good talk that he's adjusted to the center ice position. I think 70-plus points could be in the cards for Drew Wendt. Um, I don't know. Do you think – do you agree or disagree, Mike? I absolutely disagree on that one. I mean, he definitely showed his talent in junior, but it hasn't translated to the NHL at all. Um, he just doesn't have the line mates, I don't think, and he's not capable of carrying a line by himself to get to that 70-point plateau, so – Definitely disagree with you on that one. Okay, I think uh, I think it's only a matter of time that his skills start coming to the forefront. He saw his boy Nate McKinnon, former teammate on the Halifax Mooseheads, take the world by storm last year. And this guy's a he's a prideful guy, so I think when he sees um, his boy McKinnon take off, he he wants a bit of the same. So I think this year could be the year. Um, it will be the year. In fact, uh, we're not going to sugarcoat it. The next guy who I think is probably the only real dependable Joe that you can count on here is Brendan Gallagher. Um, and everybody can knock him up for his size all they want, but he gets a job done. And last year kind of went into that 30-goal range. He had 31 goals. He gets a ton of shots, you know, gets points on the power play. Um, yeah, do you agree or is he a bit of a risky player? Because the year before he had some injuries and that kind of fell off. Yeah, I think he's the guy to target on Montreal. I mean, he gets the shots, he'll add some hits for you, considering his size. Um, he's really the the most dependable Canadian, I would say, for this year. Um, and definitely the, kind of the only guy to be targeting in the top, you know, 10 rounds or so of the draft. Unless you're me, who's going to target Drew Wynn. <laughs> Um, so yeah, talking about Thomas Tatar, their newest addition for Max Pacioretty. And I think that's another point here that with Galchenyuk gone and Pacioretty gone, there's a ton of usage up for grabs here. And Domi is a guy who replaces them at Tatar as well. People are down on Tatar, um, cause he, you know, didn't do well with Vegas, but maybe he just didn't fit in. I think what, one thing I'm looking for for Tatar in deep leagues 
is he could be a sneaky value in terms of power play goals. They could put him on the sidewall where Galchenyuk was. Last year, he had nine power play goals, which you wouldn't expect. So I think Tatar is maybe somebody to keep your eyes peeled on, and he could be a bit of a sleeper. I think he's a 25-goal type guy, and with the, I don't think he's a you know annual 30-goal guy, but with the opportunity he's going to get, I think he has as good a chance now than he ever has to kind of you know put up those type numbers in Montreal. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that could be a bounce-back candidate. Um, you know, he does have the talent, so if you can get him sort of the later rounds of your draft, um, he's definitely a guy that could surpass expectations. Uh, if he plays with Lekkanen, I do like Lekkanen a fair bit, so that could be a decent second line for them as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, some of their other centers, like Dano and Byron, I don't think you can count on these guys, Placanic. Um, you can't clown on these guys. Um, some of their other wingers that maybe keep an eye on is uh, Joel Armia has done some good stuff in the AHL. Um, and, you know, based on opportunity, he could put up some numbers. Um, Charles Houdon, he's uh, kind of been a, a top prospect for them. 30 points last year and 14 minutes of ice time. I could see him getting into the 40, 50 point range um, if he gets a bit more opportunity. Um, you know, I wouldn't be counting on necessarily Andrew Shaw. Um, Nikita Sherback is another one of their uh, kind of young players that can kind of come in. Um, he could be a rookie that's going to w- break the ice. I think a guy who's a bit underrated is Matthew Pekka. When he and granted he was on Tampa high octane offense, but he he could have some uh, ability. Um, but again, just a deep league type guy. Is there any of those guys that kind of stand out to you, Mike? Um, you know, maybe Andrew Shaw in a deep league where you're counting hits and penalty minutes. If you need a boost there, he can give that uh, to you. But there's not really a lot in the bottom six for Montreal. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, they kind of have the same problem with their defensive core. There's not really a lot of there for their defense. I mean, Jeff Petrie's a guy that could could be drafted. He could get a lot of power play time this year. It sounds like Shea Weber is going to start the season on the shelf and he's just such an injury risk at this point. You know, who knows what you're going to get with him. Uh, but between Petrie, Noah Juleson and Victor Mete, there's some guys for the future that you would want to keep an eye on in dynasty leagues. But other than that, their defense is looking kind of weak as well with Carl Alsner, Jordy Ben, you know, they're not really fantasy values at this point so what are you thinking on their defense this year are you a Jeff Petrie fan as well um I think like you know honestly I'm not a fan but uh you know the numbers don't lie so I'm looking at the numbers last year 12 goals 30 assists six goals in the power play 17 power play assists you know 167 hits you know you you don't expect that you kind of expect the shots to be higher given the role he had 178 shots but with as you said Weber's going to be out until like at least Christmas so at least for the first couple months, Petrie is going to be the guy on the power play on the defense. So, and he doesn't have that big name. So he could be a bit of a sleeper. Um, I think Weber too, especially if you're in a matchup league where he might be a decent stash for the long term because he's going to come super cheap. Everybody's going to, you know, categorize him as being injury prone. He's already injured. So there's going to be discount upon discount. But he's still a guy that has that cannon from the power play. Pl- for the PowerPoint and uh, for the point on the power play. And uh, I think he's not necessarily somebody I'm going to target, but he's somebody, if you have IR in your leagues, you can pick him late, stash him, and he could be a, a sneaky source of goals later in the year. Uh, Mete, I kind of thought, you know, had a bit more ability, but 
he, his numbers kind of underwhelmed, and Juleson didn't really put up numbers in the AHL, so hard to expect him. You know, the guy who I would, you know, most people would automatically put him in the elite suite is Carey Price, talking about the goalies. And, um, but it's kind of hard sell here, given the team in front of him, the defense in front of him. You know, he's kind of talking like he believes he is so, he's good enough that he can carry a team. His numbers were bad last year. 311 goals against, 900 save percentage. But we all know he has the ability. Are you are you banking on a, ba- a bounce back for Price? Or do you think you're going to stay away because somebody's going to reach on him because of his name pedigree here? I think both. Like, I think he could absolutely bounce back somewhat. I think he will bounce back somewhat. But the team in front of him is so bad yeah. that he's going to go so high in the draft or he's going to be so highly valued by whoever owns him at this point in your league that it the cost just outweighs what he can bring to the table for you, I think, on this team. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, like, if, maybe if it's, like, really late as a third-type goalie, but um, but again, like if he's the carry price of old, and you get him a bit later because of all these concerns, that could be a guy who can win your league. So um, it can kind of go both ways. I'm I'm gonna say I'm a I'm a carry price believer this year. I think his save percentage at least is gonna be good. You might have to take a hit in the goals against. He's gonna get the starts. Um, but yeah, I think carry price might have a bit of value. You know, if he falls, if somebody wants to reach for him, go ahead. Um, I think that's most of the noteworthy guys. You know, of course, it's about the future. Do you think any of these guys down the middle that they have, are can can they make an impact? Can they make the team this year? So I'm talking, you know, their first-round pick, third overall in last year's draft, Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Um, you know, he looks a bit raw. He's smaller. I kind of see him taking a Elias Pettersson-type path heading back home. Um, obviously, Montreal would love if he took a Pedersen type path and you know did as well as he did. There's also Nick Suzuki, who they got in the in the deal for Pacioretty, back to back 100 point seasons or triple digit seasons in the, in the OHL. So, and then Ryan Paling, I don't know, I think he's still in college, so it might not be coming out. But any of these guys going to make an impact this year, or you think maybe down the line and in Dynasty, do you think who who are you targeting out of those three? Um, the guy I really like there is Nick Suzuki. Um, I thought that was a really good pickup for Montreal, being able to get him back in that Pacioretty deal. Um, he's the guy that I own in both the keeper leagues that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he's going to be a very good player down the road. Like that kind of offensive production in the OHL, I mean, that's huge numbers. And I think that'll translate to the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some question about whether he sticks at center or maybe plays with the wing. But I think the skill is there, and I think he's going to be a very effective NHL player down the road. I see. Yeah, like I'm. I'm curious about yes, Barry Kotkaniemi. I admit I haven't seen him that much. Some of the highlights um, of his shot uh, really, like you know, get your hair standing up and piques your interest. So I don't think this year is the year. I don't know if he's so good that you'd stash him right now. Um, but absolutely going to keep my eye on him. And I'm looking forward to seeing him at the World Juniors this year. Um, hopefully, he, I'm kind of, I got tickets to the Vancouver this year. So I'm kind of hoping he, you know, doesn't make the team so we can see him at the World Juniors, see what he can do on the big stage. So yeah, that wraps up Montreal. Okay, now we're on to the Ottawa Senators. A bit of a tire fire organization, uh, laughable social media posts. Um, but, 
that's maybe a conversation for another day, uh, their owner and what he's up to. Um, but yeah, talking about their forward depth, uh, yeah, it's it's not looking great, eh, Mike? Their their top forward line could be good with uh, Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne, um, both both quality players, good contributors, um, worth picking in a fantasy draft for sure. Um, be interesting to see, you know, kind of keep our eyes peeled at who pairs up with them. Who's the third guy on that line? Is it going to be Bobby Ryan? Is it going to be Brady Kachuk? Um, you know, who will be the third guy? Because their second line and beyond is not really looking that good with Peugeot and Dezingle projected to be on the second line. So the, really the first line is the only one to go. I do, I'm a big fan of Mark Stone. Um, he's a very good player, very good fantasy contributor. And Matt Duchesne, I think, as well, um, could kind of be a bounce-back guy this year. Uh, he kind of should be adjusted to his new team now. And hopefully him and Stone can uh, provide them with some goals in the first line because they don't look to be getting a lot of goals from their second, third, and fourth line. Yeah, and I think I agree with you on Stone. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the NHL. He kind of puts up numbers every year, and he's above 60 points. So I definitely rate him as a dependable Joe. Um, you know, just kind of looking at his numbers, only one power play goal, though. You'd think, like, he could get more, and maybe with Hoffman gone, he's going to get a bit more opportunity. So I could totally see his numbers, like, kind of taking a step above on that one. And um, Mark Stone, definitely a very underrated. I think he's a great value in, in drafts as a right winger. Magic Shane, yeah, he's got that pedigree. He struggled quite a bit, actually, when he first came over and – People were kind of laughing at Ottawa for all they gave up and it wasn't working out. And, you know, who knows if he's going to sign a long-term contract. But he figured it out and kind of became that, you know, close to the point of game type guy again. Um, you know, he's, I don't know if his numbers are going to be all that eye-popping because of the team he's on. Um, so I don't know if he's going to be one of my top targets because he doesn't necessarily do it all in terms of the hits. Of course, he's going to get the power play, but... I'd say he's in the dependable Joe range. Um, although, you know, looking back on his draft, you'd think he's like with the skills and the speed he has, he'd be an elite suite type guy. But I, I put him in the dependable Joe category. And I agree. I think the keep your eyes peeled in training camp, who gets in on the left wing on that line. And, um, you know, I do think there's a chance that, you know, they might split up some of the talent. But I think my bet right now is Brady Kachuk is going to take Ottawa by storm. He's going to be on that top line. He's going to make the team. I mean, he left college um, for a reason. I know he can go to the London Knights if he doesn't make the team, but he's a, basically a man child. He's got the size. He's got the game. He's got the smarts. And I mean, it's not the most scientific, but when you watch the draft and you see him kind of talking smack with his bro, Matthew Kachuk, and, you know, telling Matthew how he got drafted ahead of him. Then Matthew kind of ribbing him like, okay, let's see if you make the league your first year, buddy boy. I think Brady's, you know, going to respond in kind. So I could definitely see Brady having a similar type year to Matthew. And, you know, people point to his college numbers, you know, about a close to 30 points in 40 games, not eye-popping for a guy who's going to make the league as an 18-year-old. But I think... He has the potential offense. He showed it in the World Juniors. He showed it kind of in the Summer Showcase. Um, and I think Kachuk, if he plays with high-end offensive guys like a Duchesne, I could I could see him being a sneaky good value in fantasy this year and one of the 
kind of best fantasy rookies because he can if he does make the team, he gets that first power play, he gets that left wing, top left wing spot. He's gonna get hits. He could get power penalty minutes. He's going to kind of do a little bit of everything for you. And I guess in dynasty leagues that have all these categories, I think he should be one of the top picks, even ahead of a Sveshnikov or a Zadina, because he brings the hits and the penalty minutes. There's, it's so hard to come by in fantasy that also can contribute offensively. So I'm buying all the Brady Kachuk stock this year. I don't know. What do you think? Like, who is he competing against? Zach Smith, Ryan Dezingle? Magnus PRV. I mean, if it was a deeper team, sure, maybe he doesn't make it. But, I mean, Kachuk is already better than those guys. Never mind the fact they're building for the future. And and that's the other question. Are they really building for the future? They don't have their draft pick this year. If they see Kachuk can help them, I think he's going to get in there. I mean, there's no no way I can take Brady Kachuk over Svechnikov in a rookie draft, but I do I do think he has some value, um, especially in leagues like you say where there's hits and penalty minutes. Like he can, we've seen how Matthew plays, and by all accounts, Brady is the same way, but maybe a little more abrasive. So he's definitely going to be getting the hits and the penalty minutes where he can rack those up. Um, the point production, we'll see how that how that is. Um, He's not going to maybe have a lot of help depending which line he ends up on. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely in a in a hits and penalty minutes league. He can have some value for this year. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, maybe not in terms of point production, but I think that all-around game, uh, he could be ahead of, you know, Sveshnikov and Zadina in the long run. You know, as you said, a lot of the other guys are kind of, you know, not really eye-popping. Pajot, Bodker, um you know, Gabrick is on this team. I totally forgot about that. So we'll yeah. see, like, is he going to be in the top six as a left winger, maybe? How do you feel about their other two young guys? There's Logan Brown, Colin White. Do you see there that making a big impact this year? Yeah, honestly, Colin White, I think I would put ahead of Brown. Um, he's got that all-around game that is going to earn the coach's trust. He's going to get the, the time. I, I could see him totally jumping ahead of Pajot as a second-line center this season over the course of the year. Um, you know, I don't think he's as good as Trocek, but he's kind of like one of those guys who does it all, um, does a little bit of everything. And um, I think he could definitely jump ahead. Logan Brown, I mean, he's a good player, but, you know, he's drafted already like a couple years ago, and he had 48 points in 32 games in the OHL. So not like bad numbers, but you'd think that if he's going to be a top six center, that he could at least get like closer to the two point a game at the stage and age he's at in in junior. So Logan Brown, I think he you know might be more of a third line type guy in the long run. And this year, I think Colin White is to me he's just ahead of him. He's a more of a mature player. I, I again, Colin White, I don't think has that high end offensive ability, but. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes that step via Ryan Kessler, Trocek type guy at his peak. So, um, so I definitely think uh, White could have a chance. Right, and their other very intriguing young player this year is on the back end is Thomas Shabbat. Um, at this point, we're recording this podcast. Eric Carlson is still an Ottawa Senator, but yeah. obviously that could change very soon. I think they, you know they've been trying to deal him for a while now. So if, if Carlson goes, Shabbat's kind of the guy that would project to be stepping in as the number one power play guy. 
and you know probably playing upwards of 25 minutes a night because um, other than him there's not really a lot like Cody CC, Mark Borwicki, Christian Wolainen, Chris Weidman you know it's really Shabbat's kind of the the guy on defense if Carlson if and when Carlson gets traded so where are you ranking Shabbat this year are you pretty high on him or is he kind of a little I, more risky in your eyes. I think he's risky because, uh, yeah, like Carlson's not traded yet. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of not sure whether the play for Ottawa, are they just playing hardball with Carlson in a uh, contract? You know, Melnick is kind of a, a weird fellow. Um, so I'm not sure what's going on there. So it really depends on Carlson getting traded. And Shabbat, yeah, he's got a ton of skill in his last year in junior and like for Team Canada at the World Juniors. Like, he put the world on notice. He's got all kinds of offensive ability. I could totally see him running the power play. I mean, I think it would be smart for them to put him on the on the power play with Carlson regardless. So definitely an upside type guy. But, you know, with Ottawa being so bad, like, his plus minus is going to be horrendous, especially if Carlson goes, like, and he's a sophomore that's supposed to anchor this D. He's going to get caved in, like, hard. So... I don't know if the offense is going to be good enough to justify taking the hit on the plus minus side of things. So definitely like dynasty, I for sure think he's a, a guy who in the long run can put up the 40, 50 point totals. But this year um, I think I'm going to stay away from Shabbat. So yeah, looking at the goalies, um, you know, Craig Anderson, um, I guess it's an on year. He's kind of has an on off type approach to his game and this year is definitely an on uh, on year because he had a bad year last year but I think looking at the team and you know their prospects for the season and the defense in front of them I I don't think the numbers are going to be there you know and and he has played out of his mind before but yeah I'm not I'm not going to be shooting for Craig Anderson this year in fantasy no I agree with you I think the team in front of him is just not going to be very good and you know it's I don't think there's going to be a lot of wins there. There could be a lot of weeks where Anderson, you know, has tough matchups in this division and gives up a lot of goals. I think, you know, at best he's a number two goalie on your team and you better have a good number three if you're going with him because I just don't think he's going to have enough weeks where he produces for you. Absolutely. And, I mean, last year, I know he's up down, but last year was, like, really down. Like, his save percentage. The last five years was 911, 923, 916, 926, and then 898. So even in his down years, he's still getting over a 910, um, which is better than like an average goalie. So 898, you know, that's pretty bad. So I think the red flags are there. The age is up. So I think that trend of on off is going to end this year. And yeah, it might just come down to his team. So yeah, I think Ottawa. Eric Carlson is elite sweet. I mean, there's no question about it. He's a point-per-game type guy. He might even have even more upside, depending who he gets traded to. If he goes to, like, a Vegas-type team that has, like, other offensive ability in front of him. Um, so, yeah, should be interesting in Ottawa this year. Okay, the Tampa Bay Lightning. We might as well just call the... I think the elite sweet is in Tampa Bay, given the number of... Uh, talented players they have i mean are like they i think i have four guys in the elite suite sam close kucherov Hedman, vasilevsky ev- everywhere all, all over but like let's start with the forwards uh yeah what, what are your what are you thinking on the forwards here mike 
I mean, Tampa's just absolutely loaded. I mean, coming off a season where they scored 296 goals, which is the most in the league. Um, top line, Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, and it looks like JT Miller will be playing with them this year. I mean, it's a great spot for JT Miller playing with those two stars. Yeah. Um, second line, you got Braden Point, Andrej Palat, and Tyler Johnson. Uh, had a very good year. Braden Point especially had a breakout season last year. Mm-hmm. And even the guys in the pipeline coming up, they have, you know, Anthony Sorelli, um, you got Taylor Radish, Yanni Gord, Alex Kalorn, tons what? of talent. On this is Gord team. even coming up? The guy, like, put up 25 goals, 39 assists. Like, he's up. And he's a third liner. Yeah, and he's yeah. a third liner. And uh, so, yeah, kind of getting back to the top line. So, I think there there isn't any question here that Nikita Kucherov is in the elite suite. I mean, this guy is filthy the way he shoots the puck and just having both uh, Sam Coase on one side of the half wall and then opposite side Kucherov, like it's, it's a goalie's nightmare on the power play um, on the penalty kill for the goalie and Kucherov, like eight goals in the power play, 28 power play assists. Um, you know, he's, and he gets a ton of shots, seven game winning goals. Like this guy can anchor your right wing slot. Like you're going to be happy. Do you think, he can get 50 goals like he just keeps getting better and better and better year after year it just you can't underestimate this guy absolutely i mean he's a star he's 39 goals last year 100 points um you know and you can't really focus on him because like you say you got stamkos on the other side so between those two i mean the the only thing holding stamkos back in the past has been his health and he played you know for the first time in a while last year he played a full season and so, you know, those two dominated together. So, you know, they're both in that elite kind of category where you can draft them with your first round pick and be happy with what you're you're coming away with. And Sam Coles kind of surprisingly has developed his playmaking ability, like 59 assists last year. I mean, 27 goals, you'd look at that for Sam Coles, and that's actually low because he's, you know, former 50-goal type scorer. Um, but if he kind of put it together in one year, he could have a 100-point season. Like, do you think... Stamkos, you know, one of these years he's going to put up a 100-point season. Just just looking back, yeah, his career high is 97. So he's been really close. But that year he had 60 goals and 37 assists. So if he can kind of bring it all together, um, I mean, he has Art Ross potential, would you say? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they, they both could challenge for it. Um, and then you got, you know, JT Miller is the third guy. Could pick up some easy assists, easy goals. He could be a very valuable pickup, uh, much the same way Vladimir Nemestikov was last year playing with those two um, during the first part of the season. He True, yeah, good point. Start. So JT Miller's a kind of a gets more of a sleeper mm-hmm. um, kind of guy that could outproduce what his talent level is playing with those two guys. Yeah, I'm gonna I, like I see what you're saying with that, um, but I'm gonna have to disagree. I think he's more of a risky play because his. Production is so dependent on that that role being on the top line. And I, I think he's got the skill. I mean, he can hang for sure there. Um, and he can, you know, contribute on his own. But I think people are going to be drafting him as though he's on that top line all year long. And, you know, as we talked about the talent that's in the pipeline as well, like a guy like Kalorn could easily kind of beat him out for that spot. Um, you know, if Yanni Gord, if you're saying he's on the third line, maybe Tampa is going to disagree with that. And Yanni Gord is going to get into the top six and JT Miller. I just see JT Miller 
his role changing on a, on a, on a whim, like in one period, all of a sudden bang. So if I'm going to have to pay a premium expecting he's going to be on that top line all year, um, I just, you know, I'm not sure because if that's going to happen for sure, because the coach is one to kind of juggle the lines a bit as well. So um, I'm probably not going to be going for Miller. Um, one guy that I really like on this team, again, kind of talking from fantasy from an all-around perspective, is Andrej Palat. I think his offensive numbers, yeah, leave a lot wanting, but he gets the assists, uh, sorry, he, he gets the, the hits that, you know, you kind of hard to come by in fantasy. Um, he can get some shorthanded points. If he finds that chemistry with a certain line, he can put up the points too. And he's one of these guys that does it all. And at the end of the day, I think if I can get him later than in JT Miller, I think it's better value. And at the end of the day, I just want a piece of the Tampa offense. So a guy like Palat, who I know does other things, he's a guy who I'll just get in on get a piece of, of him. Um, a guy that I think is underrated is Braden Point. Um, I think he's definitely a kind of dependable Joe, um, but he could be somebody who could one day, I don't think this year is going to go into that elite status. And I think people don't really recognize that Braden Point had 66 points last year. Um, which is really impressive. He had five shorthanded points, so he contributes in that way. 12 game-winning goals. So obviously going to be hard to repeat on that one, but 12 game-winning goals is, you know, nothing to scoff at. Um, and then the other guy on that line, I guess, used to be a center. Tyler Johnson is more on the right wing. He had a bit of an up-and-down year, and I kind of, you know, feel pretty good because uh, he was doing bad at the beginning of the year, and then I traded for him in one of my pools, and then he went on that, insane hot streak where you got like a point like every game and then i traded him at high value and uh i i was happy with that and then i moved on and then he kind of fell back down to earth after that so i don't know johnson i don't know if he's that guy that you know put up 70 points back in the day i think he's settled settles in around the 50 um yeah what do you think about that palat point johnson line yeah i think you know tyler johnson's kind of more in that dependable play uh, type area. Um, Braden Point is obviously in the top 50 scorers last year. In the He's NFL. a stud. We can call him a stud. You know, 21 goals at 5-on-5. Five five. He outscored Stamkos on five, at 5-on-5. Five five. Yeah. He plays on the power play, the top unit with Stamkos and Kucherov. So, you know, he's a guy, if he's going <laughs> to... If he's going to be kind of underrated, you could, you want to pounce on this guy. He is He's a star. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a star as well, and um, you know, he's one of these guys similar to Barzal in the WHL, ripped it up and then came in and did really well. Um, I'm not saying he's as good as Barzal, um, but I think, you know, he's a, he's really underrated. So I would definitely target him because people probably wouldn't, um, you know, know as much about him. They're going to be distracted by the allure of Sam Coase and Kucherov. Yanni Gord, I, you know, I... I kind of regret it. Um, I picked him up at the beginning of the year. He did so-so, and then I dropped him way too early, and then he went on to have just an amazing season for somebody who's kind of bounced around and been in the AHL and then finally gets his chance right, you know, before his Calder eligibility up is up. And he impressed. He impressed a lot. And uh, he just he, he kind of gets in the areas. He's a pesk. He kind of gets in the air, different areas. He's quick. He's great along the boards. So he's got all the skill, but I think he overperformed. I'm not buying that he's going to keep uh, keep up what he did last year. Like, are you buying or selling on on Gord this season? 
So his primary points per 60 minutes were very, very good. He had 1.9 primary points per 60 minutes. Yeah. Which is, you know, trailed only Kucherov. I mean, he was ahead of Stamkos. He was ahead of point. So he's very good. He just doesn't get a lot of power play time um, right now because of all the, the depth that Tampa has at forward. But, yeah, he's a guy that, you know, definitely, definitely has value in a fantasy league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's somebody that's not super well-known at this point. So he's probably a guy you can get a little later on in your draft that can really help you in your league with, you know, multiple categories. But he, um, if he's on the third line, can he still produce like that? Like, I, I thought there was a time there he was getting top six minutes um, last season that allowed him to kind of produce. You know, I think he was on the third line last year as well. Um, you know, the, the point Pilat Johnson line was kind of there, and, like, the Gordy, Kalorn, Sorelli line is the third line. Mm-hmm. Well, Pilat was injured for a bit, so I, I think Gord kind of had a chance to play up. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's a good player. I, I think overall he's underrated. Um, maybe, you know, I, I'm, I'm misreading the crowd wrong, but I think he might be a bit overvalued, um, in terms of like, I don't think he's going to put up the same numbers he did last year. Um, some other guys, um, to keep an eye on for sure is Kalorn. I think like if he beats out Miller or Miller gets injured, if he gets on the top line, that's going to be sneaky value. Sorelli, I I mean, I think he's a really good player, um, just a, in terms of hockey player. He's um, always played in big games. He's great on the – absolutely amazing on the face-off draw. So he's gonna, you know he's going to get ice time. Um, so he's somebody to keep an eye on. I don't think he has that much value. Taylor Radish as well has put up a lot of numbers in the OHL. So he finds himself, even on the third line, um, could maybe be a sneaky add and a rookie that could break the ice. Are there any of these other – any of these forwards that you kind of – think could could be something um i mean you could definitely take radish in sort of a keeper dynasty type league but at this point like i don't think the ice time would be there without a couple injuries happening in front of him yeah um sorelli's definitely very interesting he looked good in his little late season appearances in tampa last year so he's definitely somebody that you can take a flyer on in the draft this year Mm -hmm. um late deep deep yeah they're just so deep in tampa that there's not a lot of power play time and, you know, quality, mm-hmm. even strength time to go around for the third line. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So looking at the defensemen, so there's definitely some intrigue here. You know, Victor Hedman coming off of his uh, Norris Trophy season, his first Norris. Um, he's, I think, one of these elite guys on defense. 17 goals, 46 assists. Um, he's on the power play. I, I don't really see that changing. I think some people might beg to differ, but he gets uh, hits as well. Um, I got him as a keeper in like a couple leagues. Like I'm, yeah, this guy is just does it all. He's all over the ice. He's going to get tons of play time, led them in ice time, 25 minutes, 26 minutes, 25, 51. I think he could take on even more ice time if they needed him to. Um, So yeah, what do you think about Hedman? Is he elite sweet or is there a bit of risk that, you know, one of these guys, like one of these young guys like Sir Gatchev starts, stepping up and taking some of that power play time um, or McDonough now that he's kind of settled in, is he going to get a bigger role and kind of eat into his minutes? You know, there's obviously that, um, you know, big meatball out there that they might trade for Eric Carlson. Although with the Iserman change, we'll see how that develops, but if they get Carlson, they could eat each other's points as well. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only thing is if Carlson comes, I mean, I don't think McDonough is going to impact Hedman's value all that much at this point. He's, 
you know, one of the top defensemen in the league. He's easily one of the top five defensemen in fantasy. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of his goals last year came at even strength. Like he had, you know, 13 of his goals were at even strength. So if he can increase his power play production a little bit, pick up a few more goals there, mm-hmm. you know, you could easily see him getting upwards of, you know, 20 goals, maybe 25 if he has a, a good year. You know, oh, really? 25? This is a shooting percentage. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, only two goals on the power play last year. Um, but, I mean, granted, the power play is run through the whole plan is Kucherov and Stamkos. But I think that's why his floor is so high as well, that just being the guy on the power play that's just kind of feeding uh, these two monsters in Kucherov and Stamkos, just putting it on a platter for them. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to make a great pass, but just lob it up to them and they're going to hammer it home more often than not. So I think his talent, his role, I think he's definitely elite suite. McDonough, I'm kind of staying away from because even in his, you know, when he was a top guy in New York, his numbers were not that amazing. Um, Sergachev, I think, is still pretty young, still pretty raw. His plus minus may not, I mean, his plus minus probably will be good because the team's good, but I don't think he's good enough right now to take over Hedman's spot. Um, he definitely started hot last year. Um, yeah, actually 40 points he had. So Sergachev, um, yeah, he, if he falls, I, I definitely somebody I'm going to look at. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's going to be that elite suite. I think, yeah, he's maybe a sleeper at best. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy for maybe dynasty. A lot depends what happens. You know, we'll have to keep our eyes kind of peeled as what happens going into the year. If Carlson gets traded there, he's going to be the guy that takes the biggest hit. Yeah. Most likely. Or he might be in the Carlson deal. Or and then that changes back. the story. Yeah. yeah, and then he's kind of, I mean, if he goes to Ottawa, he'd be the, probably the number two guy there behind Shabbat. Yeah. So definitely things to keep on heading into the year. But, I mean, Hedman's the main guy on that defense. I'm kind of with you on McDonough. I don't really have a ton of interest there. Mm-hmm. He's he's okay. Like, if you're getting him late, he's okay. But mm-hmm. he's just not, not something I'm a big fan of. Yeah, and I don't think any of these other defensemen are going to move the needle here. Um, yeah, so talking about the goalies, you know, Andre Vasilevsky is elite sweet. I, I think he's... For fantasy purposes, he's the top goalie in all of fantasy hockey. If you can get this guy, I would. I mean, goals against 2.62, a bit concerning, but 44 wins, 920 save percentage, eight shutouts. And keep in mind that this is his first year as a starter. Definitely, he kind of fizzled a bit, you know, mid to late last year. So if he's improved his endurance, he's gotten adjusted to the workload. This year, like, sky's a limit for this guy. He's got all kinds of skill. Um, I got him as a keeper in one of my leagues, and I think Vasilevsky is, like, the top goaltender this year, especially with that team in front of him. Like, forty over 40 wins if he stays healthy and plays is almost a given, really, for him. Absolutely. And, like, Louis Domingue's the backup, so he's not really at risk of losing a lot of starts there. Like, if he's healthy, he's the guy, and he's going to play a lot. And like you say, the talent level in front of him is just so, so superior. Like the defense is great. The forwards are unreal. It's just he should be easily the picking up the most wins uh, amongst goalies. And he's good enough that he's not, you know, they're not carrying him. So he's not going to hurt you in goals against average or save percentage or anything like that. Like he's he's the number one guy in good net for sure. And eight shutouts is like nothing to scoff at as well. So, yeah, Tampa Bay is going to be a dangerous, dangerous team in the NHL and in fantasy this year. So, you know, 
it's kind of the, one of these teams that if you're in a deep league and uh, you're just trying to fill out your roster, just try to get a piece of this offense. If it's, uh, you know, even if it's a Kalorn or Palat and you're trying to grab somebody late, uh, Yanni Gord, um, you want a piece of an offense, as you said, that led the league last year and just put the biscuit in the basket on a regular basis. And, and that's what you want a piece of. So I think Tampa is going to be dangerous for sure. Okay, last but definitely least, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, yeah, lots of intrigue in this team, uh, lots of skill. Um, you know, the biggest addition, of course, John Tavares. They lost uh, Van Riemsdyk, um, Tyler Bozak. They lost um, Komarov. So I think definitely, you know, with the young players and Tavares they have, they'll, they'll be just fine. But yeah, what are you, what are you uh, thinking about in terms of this top nine group up front yeah it's a pretty solid group i mean the three solid centers with austin matthews john Tavares, and nazim kadri i mean that's pretty much unmatched uh, across the league um it'd be interesting to see how you know how it slots out where everyone is playing it looks like you know matthews and nylander are going to stay together uh, and patrick marlowe is going to move up to the number one line to play with them and it looks like Tavares is going to be on a line with mitch marner and they're probably going with Zach Hyman with those two. Um, and then Kadri more of the checking line with uh, a couple of young guys, Kasperi Kapanen and Andreas Janssen. So I think, you know, the top the top line is going to be Matthews and Nylander. Hopefully they both take a step up. And, you know, they're both kind of been in the league a few years now. And, you know, you can see Matthews getting up to maybe that 40 to 50 goal plateau, um, especially if, you know, Tavares kind of takes some of the weight off of him, maybe some easier matchups for Matthews. So um, definitely uh, liking the top line there. What do you think about the Matthews line this year? Yeah. So like, are you sure it's going to be Marlowe? Is that what they're saying? Cause I know like Hyman has just been attached to Matthews at the hip ever since he got into the league and, you know, um, the reasonable people might think you need a more skilled guy there, but, you know, uh, Babcock loves his grinders and a guy that can kind of fish pucks out of the corner and do the hard work for Matthews. So, yeah, are you hearing that uh, Marlowe is going to be with Matthews? Yeah, that's what uh, Daily Faceoff has a lot of projected lines out right now. Oh, okay. Marlowe up there. So, yeah, like I think if Marlowe's on there, I think, yeah, definitely a lot of speed. Uh, William Nylander still unsigned, so we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, it's dangerous line, like for sure. Tons of talent. Austin Matthews, you know, I kind of wonder, um, you say he's going to take pressure off. The Tavares is going to take pressure off him. It's, it's going to help him. But at the same time, you know, maybe some of the opportunity won't be there that we thought would be there without a Tavares. Because um, I guess you're saying that's the first line, but I guess it's semantics with the talent they have and. You know, Matthews, that said, he doesn't get as much power play time as you would have expected for a talent like that. But I wonder if Tavares coming around, is that is that going to continue? Like, that's going to make it even harder, I think, for Matthews to crack the PP1. I mean, it seems ludicrous to even talk about this. But will Matthews even be on the PP1? And I think that could kind of limit his elite upside and the ability to get 50 goals if he doesn't get on the power play. I mean, he had five power play goals and five power play assists. Um, last year but yeah he just doesn't get the, the the minutes there like i think yeah another 60 point year you can count on that but is he going to get 90 is he going to get 100 i i'm not convinced i don't think so i think the scoring is going to be spread out a bit um 
so yeah, do you think Matthews is going to get like up there a challenge for the Art Ross? Yeah, I mean, he only played 62 games last year. Yeah, right? and he sure. still had a lot of goals, like you know, 26 even strength goals in 62 games is it's pretty incredible. And then you know, he had 34 goals overall in 62 games, so he would have been on at least a pace to get 40 plus last year. Sure. Um, you know, Babcock likes to have the two solid power play units. So last year, you'd have Bozak and JVR on one. He just kind of keeps the lines together and then uh, maybe throws a forward onto the point. So it'd be interesting to see how that power play, how they look. What does Babcock do with the power play units? Um, you know, but as far as Tavares taking opportunity, I mean, we saw in New York, it worked very well with them having Tavares and Matt Barzell. True, true. You know, Barzell point. got a lot of opportunity, although he did play on the number one power play unit with Tavares. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's interesting. We'll see what Babcock does. If Matthews, you know, I think a big thing is if Nylander's holdup continues, mm-hmm. you know, you probably see Matthews on the number one power play yeah, because he won't have Nylander riding shotgun with them. So are you a bit hesitant with Nylander? I mean, he's got a lot of skill, obviously. Uh, 20 goals, 41 assists last year. I think you know, his upside is higher than that. But, yeah, if he the whole lot continues and he doesn't have that top power play role, I think um, it could make him a bit of a risk. Um, but it could go either way if, if his value drops. Um, and, yeah, Nylander, you know, in fantasy, you kind of want to have some of these guys that do a bit of everything. I mean, eight game-winning goals, that's impressive. But only 21 hits. Uh, 21 hits, so you're not really counting on him that much. So I think Nylander, to me, is a bit of a risky play um, because there's just so much talent on that team. Is he going to get the power play role that you'd expect? And um, I think if he got traded to another team where he is the guy, then, you know, sky's the limit. He could do a lot. But, um, yeah, I'm not so sold on Nylander. Who would you take out of Tavares and Matthews? Is it just a toss-up? or Like, Tavares is what it is. We, you know, we know what he is. Do we just expect him to produce the same as he always has? Or will that spotlight, I mean, he grew up wrapped in a Tavares, he grew up in a, a Leafs blanket, so he should be happy being home. But you know, maybe the pressure, especially the first year, is an adjustment. And he's never been a guy that has changed teams. So, yeah, is there a chance to be a bit of an adjustment for Tavares this year? Um, yeah, it definitely could be. Uh, I think if I had to choose between them, I'd take Matthews at this point, especially in dynasty leagues, just because of the age difference. But you know, Matthews is such a dynamic player. Um, you know, Tavares, yeah, he could start off a little <laughs> slow if there's an adjustment period. But I think the talent he'll be coming in, he'll be playing with talented players like Mitch Marner. So I don't think he'll, you know, take him too long to adjust. Um, William Nylander. You know, I'm not too concerned about the holdout right now. If the holdout continues and goes into the season and he misses a couple of games, you know, we've seen it before in the past when Johnny Gaudreau held out a couple of years ago. He didn't have a great year. He started off really slow. It's hard to just jump into the season when you miss training camp. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it was a, you know, keeper league, Nylander's great. But if I'm drafting just for this year, I might drop him a little bit if he does not sign, you know, before the season starts. If he signs in the next few days, it's not something to worry about. But. And he's so he's a bit of a risky play for sure. Definitely. And, and then the other winger who, you know, is gonna maybe slot with Tavares is Mitch Marner. And I think he's a dependable Joe right now, but his skill level is such that I think he could go to that elite suite and join uh Tavares and Matthews in the elite suite. Um and I definitely like somebody who's 
going to get the power play time, eight goals and 19 assists on the power play, 47 assists. Like I think he's only scratching the surface of what he can do offensively. Um, so I think Marner is going to be one of the top end right wingers this year. Um, yeah. What do you think about Marner? Absolutely. Like he led the team in points last year with 69 and he had that one stretch where he was just super cold and he was not producing at all. And he still had 69 points. So I think playing with a guy like Tavares, if they can find some chemistry, um, you know, he, he could definitely join the elite. Like I don't think an 80 point season is out of the question for Mitch Marner at all. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think he's got the skill for sure. And, you know, he could even go higher in the, uh, over time. Marlowe, I think, is a bit of a risk. I think, like, the name value, you know, might increase the cost a bit more. I mean, he had 27 goals, 20 assists last year. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not excited, you know, about Marlowe. I think he's kind of on that downward trajectory of his career. Um, for sure, he has talent he's playing with. Um, so he could, you know, maybe be dependable, but I think he's a risky play. Like his val- his name value is more than his real, real life fantasy value. Yeah. I think both Marlowe and Hyman are both just kind of filler on those lines. Yeah. Like they might pick up some points just because they're playing with such talented players. But I think, you know, you play better off targeting guys like Kadri because he's getting the power play time or even like younger guys like Andreas Janssen or Kasperi Kapanen who could see themselves moving up the roster and getting into those top six roles with the guys like Matthews and Tavares and Marner. Yeah, a bit more value there. I'm going to have to disagree with you on the Kadri one, though. I think definitely there's some regression here. Um, I mean, do you really think that a team can have three centers score over 30 goals? I just think that the opportunity is not going to be there Kadri had a career year last year. I mean, if you have Tavares and Matthews scoring 40 goals, I think, yeah, Kadri is definitely you know, going to be in the 20-goal range. But I think the, the 30 goals is is uh, his high mark. He only had 23 assists. So if his goals kind of come back down to earth a bit, um, then, yeah, he has power play time. So that helps. 12 goals in the power play. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, if his goals drop down in the 20 range and then you look at his assist total – we're looking at a 40 point player now. And so I think Kadri's a guy I'm going to avoid. I'm going to stay away from in, in pools this year um, because at the end of the day, he's a third line center. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not too high on Kadri. Um, Janssen is intriguing. I mean, he, you know, ripped it up in the Calder cup in the AHL playoffs winning MVP last year. And, you know, uh, you could tune into pretty much any Toronto station and all they talk about is, Andreas Janssen and how he's the breakout candidate. So, yeah, definitely something I'm going to keep my eye on. I don't know if I'm going to draft him right away, um, but definitely something to keep my eye on. Guys like Kasperi Kapanen and Connor Brown, like they've shown they've had a ton of skill. I used to be like pretty high on Kapanen. I mean, his his wheels are like absurd. Like he's arguably like top five wheels in terms of speed in the league. Um, but it just I just want to see him get on the top line. Like it just bugs me that a guy like Hyman is on the top six. And Kapanen, who's just got wheels to burn, he can dig for pucks, he can get points. Like, he, he should be in that role, I think, long term. So, I think in a dynasty, he's maybe a, a, a deeper type guy. Um, but yeah, somebody I'm going to keep an eye on for sure. Like, any of those guys kind of pop out, or you disagree with me on the, the cadre assessment? 
Um, I mean, I think Kadri is just his floor is so good. He, you know, he's got the he shoots a ton. He gets so many shots. He gets some hits. Um, you know, the block shots. Like he's on the penalty kill as well, so he gets some block shots. Um, penalty minutes. You know, he's a pretty abrasive guy. He's not afraid to mix it up. And if he's on the you know the first power play unit with Tavares, you know, they're buddies from London in the OHL where they played together. So if Kadri's going to be kind of the net front guy, he could be, you know, Anders Lee made a living playing in the net front with Tavares on the power play. Mm-hmm. So he could definitely continue, I think, getting, you know, 25-plus goals is not out of the question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'll, you know, his ice time's still there. He's not going to lose ice time um, with Tavares coming in. So, I'm But, like, wouldn't he, though? Him. Because, like, Tavares is 1955 last year, Kadri 1645, and Matthews 1807. I could totally see uh, Matthews and Tavares like they should warrant over 20 minutes a game. I think so. It just kind of limits Kadri. I mean, he gets does he kill? Pen- I think he kills penalties as well. So he gets those opportunities. Um, but yeah, it's just the assist total 23. I just and I, seeing some regression in the goal scoring. I could just see him being a kind of middle of the road guy over over the course of the year, but. Anywho, going on to the defense, um, you know, I've been a big believer in Morgan Riley and kind of similar to what we were saying about Hedman, that if you're on that power play at the point and you're just kind of lobbing it up to these skilled guys, um, you know, that's how you end up with Riley getting 24 power power play assists last year. He just needs to lob it up to these skilled guys and just kind of sit back. And he's not, doesn't need to sit back either. He's got a ton, ton of skill. And I think he's also just scratching the surface. He's had to kind of shoulder the defensive load for Toronto for years now. Um, and they haven't really, you know, let him let the cat out of the bag and kind of let him roam and be that offensive force that I think he can be. So I think he's a, got a great floor and he's got even more upside with a high octane offense um, that he's on. So, yeah, what do you think about Riley? Are you going to, you know, buy on Riley this year? Or you think that last year was an aberration? Uh, no, I think both Morgan Riley and Jake Gardner are the guys you want to own on this defense. Um, you know, I do like Travis Dermott as well. I think he's more of a guy, like kind of a, uh, an up-and-coming guy, maybe for future, for dynasty. Um, but Riley and Gardner are the ones you want for this year. Um, I think it just depends what power play you need each one ends up on and what do the power plays look like. Like if Riley's on the power play with Tavares and Marner and Kadri, then, you know, Try and, try and get him if you get Tavares. And if you're getting Matthews and Nylander and they're going to be with Gardner on the power play, then Gardner's the guy you want if you have Matthews on your team. Um, but definitely, yeah, they're both definitely in play. Both definitely great skaters and just highly skilled guys. Do you think any of these other – so those are definitely the top two, Riley and Gardner, put up 50-point years last year. So that's a legit – um, defensive guys. I'd say they're in the dependable Joe. I, I wouldn't put either of them in the elite suite category as of right. yet. Um, but do you think any of these other guys, you mentioned Dermot, there's uh, Zaitsev had a pretty down year last year after signing the big deal. Um, their first round pick from a, a year ago, Timothy Liliagrin, you know, acclimated himself pretty well in the AHL. He's got some offensive ability. You know, his draft year, he was thought to be a, a top level offensive defenseman. Do you see any of those guys like kind of jumping ahead of Riley and Gardner, even in the long run in a dynasty type league uh, that you target? Yeah, I mean, definitely Lilligren is is the guy there. Um, you know, I don't think he he cracks the lineup this year. I think they give him another year in the AHL, maybe kind of similar to what Dermot did last year, where he comes up later in the year. 
um, especially if there's injuries. But I think I think Lilligren will eventually be the power play guy um, ahead of Riley and Gardner. Uh, probably ahead of Gardner. I don't know about Riley. Yeah. Okay, and then yeah, so looking at the the goaltenders uh, to kind of wrap up the Atlantic Division here. Um, so yeah, Freddie Anderson doesn't really have much competition. Curtis McElhaney and Garrett Sparks. So it's uh, it's Anderson's crease. You know, he's got the contract. Um, I think his win total is going to be uh, over forty. I'd say he's a dependable Joe. I don't know if I'd put him in the elite suite because of the the ratio type numbers. You know, aren't as good as you'd want. Uh, goals against being two point eight one, and I think part of it is their defense is still not that type of defense that um, can really consistently keep the puck out of the net. Um, they are a young team, so maybe as the team matures, uh, they get better that way. Nine eighteen save percentage, uh, thirty eight wins, five shutouts. So definitely good, very solid. Um, you know, yeah, you could see him getting over forty wins. So definitely a starter. Absolutely, you'd want him. But I don't know if he's like that elite suite and give you the ratios um, that you'd expect. Um, he has in the past, though, with Anaheim, so it's certainly like plausible. So I'm going to disagree with you there. I think he's he's the elite uh, goalie. Like, okay. You know, he's going to get the majority of the starts, and they should just have such a talented team. He should be right up there for wins, um, you know. I think the goals against average can drop a little bit this year. Babcock is, you know, known as – um, a defensive type coach and hopefully having Tavares in as the number two or one a center should help uh, Anderson as well. And I mean, he's, he's consistent and uh, save percentage the last three years, last year in Anaheim, nine nineteen, and then in Toronto, both years, nine eighteen. So my, I don't know, like his goals against in Toronto last year, two, uh, two years ago, 2.67 last year, 2.81. I feel like, I don't know. Personally, if you're going to be elite goaltender, you have to at least be below 2.5 in the goals against and at least be above 920 in the save percentage to be in that elite suite. Wins, I'll give it to you. He's in the elite. So I guess it depends on your league. But um, yeah, the ratios, I don't know if it's him or the team because in Anaheim, you know, his his goals against was, you know, around 2.3, 2.4. His save percentage is pretty much the same though. So um, yeah, maybe it's the team, but I think he's going to hurt you in the ratios. And usually the four goalie categories are wins, shutouts, goals against, and, and save percentage. So he's kind of hurting you in the goals against. Um, he's, you know, middle of the road, pretty good for the save percentage. And, you know, he's elite in the wins. So I guess uh, you can have him if we're in a fancy pool this year. So Toronto, um, it should be interesting this year. I'm sure we're going to get more coverage than anybody in Canada has asked for outside of Ontario. But... You know, it is what it is. And thanks for listening to the Atlantic Division. Uh, We'll move on to the next division.